This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. And this is Frank Pelicone. You are listening to episode 74 of the Spin Chagrin, and last week's category was Tell Me Why I Love You Like I Do. So, Frank, last night, last week you were um, given the challenge to watch a either Helen Hunt or Paul Reiser movie and also watch the pilot to uh the mad about you mad about you yeah um so what did you give what did you do for us I, i'm sure um you want to so, as, as as always right i have um exceeded expectations i would say uh by watching <laughs> both a paul riser and a helen hunt movie okay um i think the riser movie is the spin chagrin movie because i think it's more interesting to talk about okay um so we'll start there and then we'll do the helen hunt movie all right uh, so my Paul Reiser movie was 2014's Life After Beth, mm. um, starring a really like what I would call an A-list of like character actors. Um, so Aubrey Plaza in the title role, um, John C. Riley and Molly Shannon as her parents, Dane DeHaan, who I'm not familiar with as her boyfriend, mm. um, Cheryl Hines and Paul Reiser as his parents. Um, then Anna Kendrick, uh, Paul Weitz, Aaliyah Shawkat, um, Jim O'Hare, Gary Marshall, um, Rob Delaney. So there's a bunch of like other yeah. television character actors and movie character actors like all in this this movie. So I've wanted to watch Life After Beth for a few years. Um, it came out, like I said, 2014. And one of those things where I've just never, like I've put it off for a long time. Um so I was actually kind of excited for this episode because I was like, all right, cool. Like, finally get a chance to watch this. Right. Um, I think I texted you that it was aggressively mediocre. Yes. Um, And that's an accurate description. So this is one of those movies where it would have worked so much better as a television pilot, like leading into maybe an eight eight episode like limited series on hbo or something mm-hmm. um instead of a 90 some minute movie um so all right i guess i'll talk about the movie itself and what it's about so i actually really enjoyed the first like six or seven minutes of this movie um it opens with aubrey plaza walking by herself in the woods then it cuts to um her wake where her boyfriend is mourning her, her parents are mourning her. Um, they're having a wake at the house. And that's kind of like, so it's okay for a few minutes there, but it starts to just become kind of like cringy, like sitcom jokes. And I wish I had written some down, but there was like a couple times where I just kind of moaned at it. Um, yeah. John C. Riley, you know, wants to be friends with, um, Shit, what is the character? Is it Zach? Is that right? Yeah, Zach, the boyfriend, um, invites him over to hang out and they smoke weed together and they're packing up all of um Beth's stuff and he takes a scarf and his brother, who's this like security guard slash trumper paramilitary guy, although before Trump obviously, but like survival nut paramilitary guy in the I guess 2014 cadence. Um is obsessed with cleaning his desert eagle and he catches zach masturbating into beth's scarf mm. um so zach who has feels like this kinship with her parents tries to go back over and hang out but they don't answer the door they won't see him so 
he tries to call, they don't answer. So he goes over one time and he's kind of like snooping in their windows, I guess, to see what's going on. And he sees Aubrey Plaza in the house and he freaks out and um he finally is like gets their attention banging on the door and their housekeeper, who's this Haitian woman, is like screaming and running out and she's like, I quit, I quit, I'm never coming back. So you find out that Beth has risen from the dead. Like she's crawled right. out of her grave. Um she thinks that it's the night before a big test. She doesn't remember dying. Um, you find out that Zach and Beth were having relationship troubles. She doesn't remember any of that. Um, so the first thing that I really hated about this movie is this um, Dane DeHaan guy. Mm-hmm. Um, who, I don't know if this is his fault or if it's just the way it's, the character's written, but it's incredibly unlikable. Um, so his first instinct is to try and fuck zombie Beth. Like that's all he can oh. think to do. Hmm. Um, and she's like super horny, so he she keeps trying to have sex with him in their in her parents' house. Um, and he wants to like take her outside, and the dad's like, Well, she's dead, so we can't really let people know that she's here. But you know, like, let's just appreciate the miracle that my daughter has come back. And he's like, No, nah, I think we need to go for a hike or let me take her out. I want to go for a walk. But only because, like, he just wants to bang her. And he wants to bang her, like, in the woods or something. Um, so, eventually, there's, like, some shenanigans. But eventually, and nobody believes him. He tells everybody that uh, Beth is alive because he's an idiot. And nobody believes him because, of course, like, who's going to believe that? Sure. <clears throat> so, you start to see um, instances where, like, the, what's his name? Um uh jim o'hare plays a mailman who's obviously like not himself and it's implied that he was dead zach seems to recall that he died but nobody can remember mm-hmm. um so that's the first instance you get that like there's other people that are risen uh from from the dead okay um so they end up sneaking out during the day to go have sex in the grass in the park or something is what it seems like i don't know where it was and the sun like really burns her skin badly um so her parents are like oh my god like you know why would you take our daughter out and he's like we need to tell everyone that she's alive and like we don't need to tell anyone and he's like well you need to tell her that she's dead and like no um so ultimately you find out that so he they sneak out again one night because um john c Riley forbids zach from seeing his daughter and they go to the beach and she freaks out and she becomes violent and then she exhibits like basically super strength like she's able to um rip apart this lifeguard shack because they're on the beach and um smash the window out of his car by like slapping with her hand and Mm. um you find out that she's uh been living in the attic and she has covered the attic in mud um so at this point you have to realize that there's all kinds of things that happen in this movie that are never explained and are only there for like a gag. So right. the idea that like the undead like to live in the attic, nobody ever talks about why. There's no reason for it to be. Um, there's not even like a kayfabe reason in the span of like a joke. It's just so when they show a couple of other undead people, those people can also talk about being in the attic. And you're like, right, you know, because they like to be in the attic. Um, right. they imply that maybe it's because like they like to climb out and see the sky above them so they like to climb out of like skylights or <laughs> chimneys or whatever mm-hmm. but no one ever says that that was just me inferring um gotcha. 
so he runs away from her because she's crazy and now all of a sudden he realizes that having sex with this dead woman is no longer like super appealing to him because he's a fucking immature prick basically that was just taking advantage of the fact that his girlfriend didn't want to break up with him anymore and was super horny even though she was dead so then he meets um what's her name anna kendrick and she's a girl he knew when they were young and they hit it off and he's like yeah um like your skin is so soft and beautiful because you know it's not like burned because you're an undead creature um anyway so eventually he tells beth that she was dead and he takes her to a grave and she freaks out and then all of a sudden like the whole world is falling apart because the dead are coming back en masse so for a brief moment it turns into like a zombie apocalypse movie where there's people like shooting each other on the streets and um the other thing so then thing number two that really bothered me about this movie was it's a series of homages to other things um there's a couple of scenes that are obvious homages to Shaun of the Dead. Um, it's definitely paying homage to like 28 Days Later. There's actually a scene where he's in the grocery store and there's like very little canned goods on the shelves and he's trying to like scoop it into a basket, like a chopping cart, which is 100% the same as the scene with um, what's his name in 28 Days Later. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you remember what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Um, so long story short um he ends up his the idea that he comes up with is, is that perlene who was the um the haitian uh housekeeper that worked for beth's parents had somehow respond was somehow responsible for the zombie reoccurrence because she's from haiti and she's like triggered it so he's also kind of racist um <laughs> so he wants to find Perlene's address so he can go and get her to reverse the undead curse and the parents don't want him to do that but Molly Shannon gives him the address anyway um so he takes Beth or no he leaves and crazy Beth like follows him out and gets in the car so they drive to Perlene's house which is in uh she lives in a hotel okay so this is where like not only was the movie just bothering me because there was like and it's hard to explain how, because I'm kind of telling you like a narrative here, but none of the scenes really truly connect with each other. And it's like basically just a series of setups of like one note jokes or like sitcom scenarios or whatever, which again, I think oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that after. Well, let about. me just say, like, as you've told me this narrative, like I guess I see what you're saying just from a plot standpoint. None of it necessarily sounds bad so much as it just doesn't feel like something that's that exciting to watch. It's not. And it's very much like, and I'll get to the positive stuff because there is yeah. some, some positive stuff. Um, so ultimately... Um, you find out, so he leaves Beth in the car and he goes up to talk to Perlene, but it's her brother that's there. <clears throat> and he's like, you know, I need to talk to her. And he's like, well, she's gone. And he's like, well, is she really gone? Cause you know, I need to talk to her about what happened at the, whatever Beth's parents' names are. Um, fuck, I can't remember now. Uh, I, was, I was looking at the Slocum's career. Slocum's, yes. Um, and he's like, wait, are you trying to say that? 
because he's like you know because because beth came back and he's like wait are you trying to say that my sister practices voodoo because we're from haiti he's like because you know not everybody from haiti practices voodoo and he's like well but i you know i'm pretty sure it's she knows because she ran out of the house and he's like she knows because mr slocum used to make her touch his penis and then there's like this brief exchange where Zach doesn't understand the word penis because the guy has a mild vacation like, accent. Um, but also, so ultimately, you find out that Slocum, like the John C. Riley character, was a sexual deviant who used to walk around the house naked. So at this uh-huh. point, I start to think, like, what the fuck is like up with this movie? Like, is are you supposed to? So I, I don't know if you're supposed to infer anything from that, but like. He's obviously, like, super in love with his daughter, and Molly Shannon is, like, really kind of, like, sort of, like, has PTSD the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it started to really remind me of, like, Twin Peaks. Kind of, <laughs> like, right, right. It's not as traumatizing as sort of. Well, because it's being played for laughs. Sure, sure. And I was I was wondering, like, am I supposed to in- infer here that John C. Riley was molesting his daughter somehow? Right. Or am I just, like, Am I just ha, ha, inferring? He's a deviant. Yeah, and, yeah, inferring too much, and just they wanted to make fun of the way that a Haitian man says penis, right? So they never answer that question, but I have a theory, and we'll okay. get to that okay. too in a second. Um, so John C. Riley shows up, knocks out Zach, steals um Beth again from the car. Um, Zach goes to their house, and you find out that um. Uh, Beth has eaten her father, like he's murdered her father, her father, and eaten him. And, and Molly Shannon is feeding. Ha, Molly Shannon has her tied to the stove, and is feeding her her fingers one at a time. Like Molly Shannon is putting her hand in Beth's mouth and letting Beth chew off her fingers. Um, so Zach stops Molly Shannon from doing that and is like, "Come on, Beth, let's go for a hike," because he's feeling really guilty about the fact that, like, he kind of drove because he 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 broke up with her too. I forgot about that part. Because he didn't want to like hang out with a zombie anymore. <laughs> um, so then his brother shows up, and his brother's like, "Yeah, you know." Oh, I forgot about this part too. So he goes back to his house with Paul Reiser and um, Cheryl Hines and the brother, and his grandfather has come back from the dead, and is <clears throat> talking about how much he wants to go up into the attic. This is where this comes back in. Mm-hmm. Then this other couple comes in, and they're like, "What are you people doing in our house?" And Paul Reiser's like. It's the original couple that lived here. And they want to go up in the attic, too. So everybody's arguing about the attic. And the brother, who's in a towel for some reason, like, that's never really explained, Mm -hmm. is, like, waving his Desert Eagle around, like, wanting to shoot people, and they don't want him to shoot anybody. So after the whole thing with him getting knocked out, he goes back home, and he finds a pile of burned, charred bodies in his backyard. And he thinks that his parents and his brother are dead. So then he just wants to go be with Beth. So when he's at the house, like knocking, the brother, who's a security guard in the neighborhood again, mm-hmm. um, shows up and he's like, nah, like we're over at the Levens. We're all still alive. And he's like, I thought you were all dead. And they hug each other. And then Beth comes out and he wants to shoot him. And Zach's like, no, I got to like, let me just take her for a walk. I just want to do the right thing. So this scene goes on for like three this, minutes. This is really, Yes. And it's like an incredibly long scene of them like hugging and then the brother Kyle like pulling the gun and wanting like, no, no, don't shoot her, don't shoot her. And it's just way too long. So finally, Beth and Zach go for a walk and they're out like walking and 
You find out that Zach never wanted to go for walks when Beth was alive, and he felt like some guilt because like she died on a walk because she was bitten by a snake, and maybe if he was there, he could have saved her. Um, so long story short, like he has Kyle's gun because Kyle said you got to take care of him, and Zach's like, "I love you. I'll never love anybody else." And he shoots her in the head, and she dies. And actually, the funniest scene in the movie is um her toppling down this hill after being shot in the head with a fucking stove on her back. What? Which yeah, it's it's it stranding. No, because remember they tied. She was tied to the stove, so she couldn't like kill anybody. Oh right. She had gone like completely crazy, so he right. never untied her from the stove. So they just took a a hike with the stove on her back. So anyway, so that's pretty funny when that happens. Um. So anyway, so then he goes home, and um, Anna Kendrick is there, and her his family's there, and they're like, oh, you know, we're all together. And he's like, look, like, we have to pull together to survive, you know, we need to form a plan, and Kyle's like, yeah, we have a plan, and then the news comes on, and it's like, so, um, everything's over, there's no more problems, uh, it just seems like it only lasted for a couple of days, but now, the dead being around, they're not here anymore, so everything is fine, and that's it. So... Like that's the Deus Ex Machina that um that ends like the basic plot of the movie, and then the coda is there at Beth's like he goes to Beth's grave, um where now her father is also buried because he died, um and he has the scarf still which has never come in again after he tried to jerk off in it, but he has the scarf in and he puts it on her tombstone, and then he goes and gets back in the car and Andrew Kendrick is Anna Kendrick is there because her parents had died. And he's like, um, you want to go out for dinner? And she's like, yeah, I could get some dinner. And he's like, cool, because I really want to get dinner with you. And then it's implied that they're like a couple now. So life after Beth, folks, that's it. Honestly, the more you started to describe the intricate details of those scenes, the more annoyed I started to get. Um, So here's the thing. Aubrey Plaza is really fucking amazing in this movie. and. It's the only thing that keeps you watching it, and it's her performance is so good that there's times where I was sitting there thinking, "Am I being unfair to this movie? Am I just like being too harsh mm-hmm. on it?" Mm-hmm. Like she'll be in a scene, you'll be like, "Oh my god!" Like that was that was great. Like she plays this combination of ravenous undead, preppy schoolgirl like so perfectly, I and mean, it it's it's truly like a charm an oddly charming and disturbing performance that's like really memorable and makes the movie like bearable in some parts but i mean that's not surpri- that's not surprising i mean she low-key is like because of the role she often chooses might be one of the best actresses in, yeah, in hollywood I, right now i think like, that's true and she's She's always Aubrey Plaza, but she's always a slightly different version of that. So you never get like, she's never April Ludgate again, I think is the most important thing. So like the role that she's iconic for, she did it and she can move on and be other characters and not have to fall back on. I mean, Paul Reiser is always, what's his name from Mad About You, right? Yes. Like he's always just that character. But, and he's that character in this movie too. I mean, it's basically like a old version of him mm-hmm. but i don't know she's just she's fantastic in it yeah um I mean, I we, both, John... we both marked out to that emily the criminal yeah that's um, a great based, movie. based on 
her and Theo Rossi's performance in a decent movie. Like it's it a, it a good movie that was made really great by those two performances. And she's in a movie called um uh Little Hours. Mm-hmm. I think. Let me let me look up her filmography and see how many movies I've seen of hers. Um, it's, it's the Little Hours. That's the movie that she's in. Yeah, that I love that movie. I think that movie's really good. Um. She's in a bunch of like weird shit I've that's never not, seen. That's another one of his movies. Is it? Yeah, Jeff Bain. Yeah, they're married. I mean, they've been together for like. Oh, a I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I don't really know anything about anyone ever. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um. I'm thinking about watching the Ingrid Goes West, hmm. which is probably another one of his movies. Uh, no, know. that's not no. Um. Black Bear, I thought was pretty good, and I thought she was really good in it. I did really like Emily the Criminal a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I haven't seen that many. I thought I had seen a lot, but I suppose not not so much. <clears throat> so anyway, so I would never recommend watching this movie, but if for some reason you happen to watch this movie, I think you'll appreciate Aubrey Plaza's performance. Um, and I mean, like, whatever. The, no one is given the chance to be anything other than a caricature except for her. Which is crazy because she's a zombie, you know, but she still has like range and emotion. And um, so what I was thinking the entire time, and I didn't watch the series, but you watched it. So I saw parts of it. Mm-hmm. It felt like a really long pilot for like Santa, Cl- Santa Clarita diet, kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like that idea. Yep. But just try, they tried to cram it into as short a time as possible or into one movie instead of like trying to stretch it out. Because I think if you would have given time for characters to develop and breathe and, like, maybe show their relationship. I don't even know if you need to show their relationship post-death. But, like, make him a real character and make his family real characters and her family real characters. And then gradually work up to her being, like, a psychopathic zombie, like, lunatic. As opposed to just, like, having it happen and then that's just, like, the way the world is. and he wants to break up with her like him tried to like accept it for a little while and oh her breath stinks but i still love her and then come to the realization that he doesn't love her he just wanted to bang her one last time and now and get some closure because she died and like now he you know regrets not just like letting her go so i don't know so i think if they would have made it into if it would have been a television series it would have been pretty decent i think with this cast like i think they could have done something really good with it even though i hate like that the main actor dude mm-hmm. um but Apparently, as a movie you, i'm assuming you look this movie up i guess <laughs> it was supposed to be joseph gordon levitt early on i don't know that would have been perfect actually yeah. <clears throat> i only looked up the cast in it so gotcha. i could read the cast off to you gotcha. yeah what did i need to learn i learned everything i needed to know from watching it <laughs> all right um the the other thing that crossed my mind because i did think about santa clarita diet um which i very much enjoyed um and i think it was cut too short but uh the other thing that crossed my mind is this was supposed to be the what you describe in the sense of like the zombie apocalypse kind of like happening um in this like small area is 
was supposed to be the third season of Pushing Daisies. Oh, um, yeah. Which ended, like, basically, like, a year before, like, I guess this guy started writing that. Um, and I'm not saying there's, like, a definite connection there, but I find it interesting that, like, that was, mm. and it was publicly talked about, like, that's what, and I think they even did a comic, maybe. Um like a short run comic for the third season of pushing daisies but it was a very similar storyline of like people like this kind of like slow thing that's been going on and then it just like runs wild um so to me like yeah i because they, they barely touch on the fact that the apocalypse is happening and which in its own way is fine because the point is to be about him trying to deal with his relationship in the wake of the death of his girlfriend. And that's the thing that matters the most to him is that his girlfriend is, is dead, which is, I mean, the character is self-serving and like an asshole. So it kind of fits really, but Mm -hmm. you just, I, I found him so absolutely dislikable, like just completely unappealing as a, as a character. And I had no concern for him or for his, whatever travails and i really only cared when aubrey plaza was on screen um so yeah so it's hard for me to gauge a chagrin here because again it's not like i hated it or i was like angry watching it i was just annoyed all the time Mm. at little things and ultimately i found it to be unsatisfying so it's like probably a six on the chagrin scale like i said just aggressively mediocre and not worth watching right Um, Except for Aubrey Plaza's performance, so. Okay. Oh, so that's, that's unfortunate, though. I mean, because yeah, I, well, I know that you were thinking about like watching this movie for a long time. So, well, the next film is worse, maybe. <laughs> um. So I was going back and looking for Helen Hunt movies I've never seen. Um, sure. Which is more than I actually thought it would be, because there's a lot of stuff in the past like 15 years I haven't seen. Yeah. But I went even further back than what I thought I had seen to pre-Mad About You Days to watch Murder in New Hampshire, the Pamela Smart story, oh, which shit. was a 1991 made-for-television crime drama. Um, do you remember this this crime? When I say Pamela Smart, before you look it up, do you know? I remember the name. I do not remember what like what that was involved so i was thinking elizabeth smart at first and elizabeth smart is the girl that got kidnapped out of her bedroom window and was found like later like to have been right right, yeah i know yeah sure that's what i thought at first it was about but that was much later so pamela smart was the first time i remember a teacher sleeping with a student Mm, do you remember this mm -hmm, now mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. so she seduced a student like a 15 year old and had the student yep. kill her husband mm-hmm. so that's this movie and helen hunt plays the titular I mean, that, right and that's what um isn't that what to die for is loosely based on 100 well? percent. Yeah. yep it's that's yeah. that that's this movie right um so she plays pamela wojas smart which mm. is the actual title even though wikipedia just calls it the pamela smart story the actual title crawl from CBS is the Pamela Wojas smart story because mm. they want to fucking get the dig in on that family that <laughs> Pamela smart came from. Just so you know. All right. All right. Um, I assume most of our viewers are around our age. So if I say that this is 
a typical made-for-television primetime drama from the 1990s, like you'll 100% know exactly the look, the tone, the feel. Um, not meant to make Pamela smart. It, it's not like an in-depth look at like why this woman would do this or what was her motivations or try to build any sympathy. It's 100% a, not even smear job, but just like the lowest hanging of fruits mm-hmm. because she was already convicted and in jail when this, this teledrama came out. So it follows like very loosely. I mean, there's no effort again, no effort made to like characterize any of these people except to make her seem like the biggest fucking like skag ever right. that she's really superficial because she only cares about the fact that. So he, I don't know. So it opens with the murder. So right, like, of course, spoiler, right? Because why build any drama? Like, but I guess at this point, you know, it came out a year after the yeah, everybody the case the happens. Story. Everybody yeah. knew. Um, so he's gotten a job working for a firm that his father works for, selling insurance. Um, so it starts out he has to get he has long hair when he's in college because he's kind of like a rocker because she's really into like rock music right but he's gonna he's he, gonna live in that grunge life well no 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 it's pre-grunge he's living that motley crew life so he's got like oh is that kind of hair oh okay. yeah every, every, everyone here has including helen hunt has long feathered hair <laughs> um but he cuts his hair because he's becoming an insurance agent and she's upset that he cut his hair because oh i loved your hair and he's like yeah well i had to I loved it too, and he gives it to her in an envelope. She's like, "I loved it on your head." Mm-hmm. Um, so then, even though she's a, even though she's a fucking like asshole, um, they get married, and then after the wedding, after their honeymoon, they're at home, and his parents are over, and she's going through their gift registry, and she's like, "Oh, this toaster costs four hundred dollars, but the toaster that his brother bought us only costs eighty five dollars." So I took that shit back to the store to get a refund. He kept the $400 toaster. And she's like, and then if you factor it out, the gifts my family gave, the minimum value was $93. And the gifts that your family gave, the minimum value was 50 And they're like... You got a 66 and two-thirds percent chance of winning. Right. It drastic goes down if you go into his family. So, um, So anyway, so the whole point is basically that She's obsessed with how much things cost and materialism. Um, and then you find out like pretty early on that they're not having sex and he doesn't understand why they're not having sex. Maybe well, one of them is upset they're not having sex and the other one doesn't seem to care, but I can't remember how that goes early on. So then pretty quickly, like she meets this kid who he's 15, but he tried cocaine once and he has long hair. <laughs> so she's like smitten. <laughs> and um he jo- she's she's in charge of the AV club at at the high school mm. so he joins the AV club along with this like kind of chunky girl that's friends with Pam Smart and she becomes her intern and then they all start hanging out together and ultimately you know like she seduces the kid and she's like if she's like my husband beats me and you know, sure. I need to get away from him, but I can't leave him. And he's like, oh, we'll just get divorced. And she's like, you never, under- you don't understand. He'll never leave us alone. I want to be with you. Um. So anyway, so in the end, she convinces the guy to kill her husband 
which it takes them three times to do. Um, and I don't know. She acts like an idiot, like after he's dead. So people start to suspect her. And then the chubby girl, like, didn't think that she would ever kill her husband. So she kind of like does an anonymous, like, tell on her. And then they get the boy to cut a deal, even though she's trying to frame him as the murderer. And she goes to jail for the rest of her life. And that's that. So, right. Um, I mean, it's not a good movie. There's nothing to recommend in this movie. I think even if you were the biggest Helen Hunt fan or the biggest Pamela Smart fan, or you got some kind of weird <laughs> fetish for like Howard Hessman and Larry Drake because they're in it. Um, oh, for real? Yeah, Howard Hessman plays uh, the prosecutor and Larry Drake, um, a very, very obese Larry Drake, like much heavier than Dr. Giggles Larry Drake um plays the defense attorney hmm. they basically they they basically cut back um like in between different scenes with different parts of the trial um even though at this point you would have already known what happened there too so like what but as much as it's not like super interesting i mean it's also not super bad it's just it just is what it is you know like if you there's no reason to ever watch this movie again. It's an artifact from a time that doesn't exist anymore. Sure. It's basically the inspiration for the entirety of like the Hallmark channel in a lot of ways, but um Isn't that so crazy too? I mean Do you remember when like things like this used to be like Yeah, it's a movie of the week. Well, right, but it was like it used to be like outside the norm. You didn't, I mean, only because you didn't hear about it, right? Like, you know, so few cases, like, came to light. Um, But it was, like, a big deal. And then, like, shit, I mean, the the genre can't exist now because you can make, like, a... You could legitimately make, like, five of these a week. Right. Or at least, yeah, a couple dozen a year. Um, So here's the interesting thing. This fucking gem pulled a 15.9 rating that's a lot of fucking people watching this movie that 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 is that is those are um now look television has decreased every year for decades but like those are idle those are like idle numbers like during idols right yeah cbs ain't never get this with jag you know (laughs) that's that's a that's a random low blow yeah you know (laughs) i'm going going after this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the CBS fanboys. All you got is Jag. Right. On Friday nights. You're gone after him 25 years ago. Right. <laughs> and there was only like 10 of them anyway. So what am I even getting out of it? Right. Catherine Bell, was that her name? I can't even remember the dude that started that thing's name, but yeah, I, I can I, remember I, hers. Judge Advocate General. Uh, uh, um, do you like so? Just in the comparison, like, what's your sugar in watching something like this? It's actually really high because I realized early on that I have no desire to watch this fucking movie. And I hate myself that I've made this pact with, (laughs) I guess, you or just (laughs) the universe that I'm going to, like, watch these movies and not stop watching them until I'm done. And so I just have to sit here and take it. 
Uh-huh. And it's like, at least with Life After Beth, there was some, like, her. And I was like, oh, this is a really good performance. Or I would, like, try and pick out, like, what was being parodied or paying homage to it. That, you know what I mean? Like, I could, sure. I could look for things. But in this, it's like, <laughs> just sitting here like, why did I think this woman was so beautiful when I was 16? Oh, that's why. Oh, what? She looks like she's 40. How old is she here? Oh, my God. She's so gorgeous. So that was the whole movie. Okay. Oh, this acting is so that, bad. That is one thing we haven't like brought up here. Sean Bridgers is in that movie, too? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, like, you were absolutely in love with Helen Hunt when you were younger, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's it. That's true. <laughs> She was, I don't know, she was, like, my ideal woman for, I don't know, a year, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. I thought she was amazing. Um, Now, what era would this have been? Uh, Do you, can you, like... Early, early Mad About You. Early Mad, okay. All right. And here's the secret. I have watched very little Mad About You mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, watching the show and listening to it and paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. 100% I would just put mad about you on and like draw or listen to music or do something else and just watch for Helen Hunt to come on screen because I thought she was so beautiful <laughs> right right I love that strong and jawline man I, I, I agree I mean I think yes she was super attracted to a strong yes. jawline yeah I mean she was I mean I think she's I think even today like I think she's still attractive at least last time I saw her in the past she but. is I think she's um I think she's a beautiful woman. Um So mad about you. Yeah, so I couldn't finish the pilot, I'm not gonna lie. I got it was like twenty one minutes long. I know, I got eleven minutes in and it was too much. I hated I hated every second of it. It made me so angry. All right, let's hold on, let's step back. Hold on, let's step back here just for a second. All right. So, you're not the biggest sitcom guy in the world, you would admit, right? Like, overall. I'm a very specific sitcom guy, and this is not the kind that I like. Right. Okay. And you have a few years on me, so you're, like, most, like, half, at least half of your 90s was you after the age of 18. So, I think that, like, in terms of 90s sitcoms, like... I would think even less so, right? Like, you're probably more of, like, an 80s and 2000s, probably, person more than anything. Like, you didn't watch Friends, right? Like, you didn't religiously no, watch Seinfeld. No, like, you I, didn't watch... no, no, uh-uh. I had never really seen an episode of Friends until, like, a couple years ago, I guess. Yeah. Like, aside from clips or the things that everyone referenced, like Smelly Cat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or we were on a break. Um, right. Like, I didn't know anything about, like, the plot lines of that show. I'm still astounded sometimes when Friends is on at work. So, for some reason, Friends, we, we have a TV in one of our break rooms um, where people, like, set up to do work on their laptops and stuff. Because I work in a warehouse and whatever. Right. There's no place out on the floor for people to, like, actually do, like, back office work. And for some reason, the channel that's on is has friends on a lot, like during the day. And sometimes I'm astounded by how dirty and yes, 
mature friends is for being on nbc in the 90s like it really mm-hmm. is astounding to me that that show can be so filthy right and not even like veiled filthiness just filthy but right. and i don't find it even to be like i'm i don't think it's like terrible or anything i think it's actually kind of funny and i think that had i have watched friends when it was on i probably would have enjoyed friends but i didn't so yeah friends Friends was good. I, I thought back in the nineties when I watched it. I I have a hard time when I see like anywhere like at a hotel or like something like yeah, like a fucking doctor's office or something and like they have friends on and I watch an episode. It's like it's hard for me to watch most of the time now because I find a lot of it is sure. but um but I think and he can correct me privately if I'm wrong. I think Bloodstone I felt like um Friends was this uh, mediocre, younger version of Seinfeld, which was so much wittier and funnier um, huh. that we like held held something a, a little bit against Friends, even though it was fine and it was enjoyable um, and occasionally like really well written um, from a joke standpoint. Um, but yeah, so but you just overall like you know all that stuff from the nineties, like uh, God, like fucking, I can't remember the name of it now. Home improvement, not. I was going to call it tool time. Um, I like hate an old man, right? So it's like all that stuff from the nineties, like was just not something you were into. I I feel. I thought news radio was funny. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I have no idea why I watched news radio, but it was on. I guess at the time when I didn't have right. to work. Yep. Because um, I was working through most of the '90s when I was yeah. out of school. Yeah. Um, that makes that jives though. That makes sense. Because I mean, like your sitcoms that you really like. I didn't get to watch it much, but I thought that uh, uh, Married with Children was funny. Hmm. Um, there was another show that came on after Married with Children that was about a middle-class couple with like some children that had it was kind of like a smarter roseanne maybe i can't remember what that show was called then hmm. i don't quite remember that um i can't right i i'll we we've actually talked about this before and no one can ever think of what it's called and every once in a while one of us remembers and i immediately forget so. i just always i just always remember um was it unhappily ever after yeah that's it Good oh, okay job. um yeah, because that was on for a little while, a little while, I guess, and then it's like it was on WB or something like that, like afterwards. Um, yeah, I just always remember Herman's head, even though it was on for like two years, being the thing that was on after Married with Children, and I don't know why I always just connect Herman's head. Do you Here's remember that funny, show? I do remember Herman's okay. head, yeah. I made a joke once at Easter's expense about Herman's head, and he got really angry. I, I I love it. That's that's what you remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. What else is there to think about? <laughs> um, what I enjoyed was the Simpsons. Like <laughs> there was a time, so I remember reading this real quick one time that um in um what is it? Dr. Johnson, was it what was his name? Boswell? Was that the guy that followed him around? Um like Samuel Johnson and Samuel Johnson uh apparently said, like, you know, so we had a good talk, huh? And his biographer sat there and said, yes, sir, you gored a lot of people. Huh. It's a good talk. Oh, that's 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 what you remember in your head. That's awesome. I used Herman's head to, to 
take him down. I like it. I also, um, fuck, what was that other show that I used to make fun of? I used to always claim that it was like Easter's favorite show. There's Herman's Head and there's another one from around that time. I want to say it was like a Fox sitcom. Jeez. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I, I guess you know. watch The Simpsons, right? I like Back The Simpsons, then? yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Well, because Sunday night, I could watch stuff. I didn't have to... You have to understand, like, my parents monopolized the television. And for the longest time until I was a teenager, there was only one TV in our house. I didn't have mm-hmm. a second TV yeah. until, I don't know, I was 14, I got my first TV maybe or something. So I was, like, stuck with whatever they were watching. And they didn't really like, like, 90s sitcoms very much. Okay. They loved, so I watched Cheers and Night Court and um, The Cosby Show and Mm -hmm. A Different World. And we watched ALF and I would watch, you know, Mr. Belvedere reruns and and of course, Different Strokes and Silver Spoons and Webster. And like, those are the sitcoms I grew up with. And I don't think any of those are funny anymore. And I guess that like, my next real sitcom was maybe Arrested Development. Right. Maybe. Right. And that was only after the fact when I saw it on a Memorial Day marathon of the first two seasons. So basically after it was like done, you know, for the most part. Um, and then I was into Scrubs for a little bit. Um, Chuck and I used to watch Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. And you too, I guess, right? You watch Scrubs as well. Yes. Um, I don't think any of us really appreciate it as much anymore. Um, so, certain things, certain characters, but it doesn't hold up after 15 years um, as much. And then really it's 30 Rock, uh, um, Parks and Recreation. The Office, right? The Office, yeah. But even I didn't even like The Office when I first saw it. Well, right. Well, that first season is dreadful. Yeah, and plus my fucking pretentious ass had seen the British office, so, oh, oh, could never be as good. I I still wouldn't down somebody if that was their opinion. Yeah, I'm fine with that. But, I mean, I think that in volume and... Sure. Overall, like, laugh, like, whatever production i find the yes absolutely so let's talk about this fucking pilot episode hold on no i'm setting the stage here that's why i wanted i wanted to get all this out because we never actually had the conversation this is a fucking amphitheater if you're setting a stage what the fuck (laughs) but keep going so you made it 11 minutes in the 21 minutes of this pilot episode yeah is this is this a product being a product of its time period is the and and 90s sitcoms and that annoys you is it the fact that it's like 80s and 90s stuff you think are so something that you can't laugh like or enjoy it or is it just that bad particularly this thing like what out of given all that context now of your your feelings about sitcoms and what you like and what you don't like what is it here that made you only get 11 minutes in that somebody watched the honeymooners and said this is gold but we, we can't let jackie gleason beat anybody <laughs> that's basically what the fucking mad about you is it's so antiquated and it's trying to be so hip 
Yes. That it just is the opposite of it. Like, number one, I don't care for either one of them as people. Like, I find them to be... You mean Paul and Jamie Buchanan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I think I like... Obviously, I, I love Helen Hunt, and yeah. I think Paul Reiser is probably a pretty decent dude. Like, everything oh, yeah, I've ever sure. seen Paul Reiser, yeah. he seems like... He's a good guy. Genuinely a good person. Yeah. I bet you he's probably a fucking riot, too. Like, as Yeah, I'm sure he's hilarious, like, in real yeah. life. Right. I don't care about these fucking yuppie crackers. Yes. In their fucking New York high rise. Like, I just don't care. And I don't care about their problems. And I think they're both assholes. And I think the fact that she basically threatens to divorce him in the first, like, eight minutes of the show. Because, and he's he's a dick. Like, he's just a complete he is a dick. Bit. And it's like, she's no better. She's, like, just crass, moody asshole that only cares about herself. But hides and, it under being neurotic. Right. Like just terrible, and there's nothing about it that I found to be, um, appealing at all. Does that make sense? Like I sure, sure, uh, yes, yes. The fact so, that he, the fact that he regularly lies to her, using his friend as his alibi, and that they're so bad at it that she knows he does it, but she just doesn't care. Right. That she uses because he's, he's ineffectual, right? That she uses pregnancy, yes, as a tool to like force him to go make her coffee, yes, and like that escalation. I mean, and you would think that I would appreciate it because I am the master of like unnecessary escalation, <laughs> but it's so it's crazy. She's a terrible person, and he's a terrible person, and they're so self-absorbed that they don't even care about each other so i didn't get to the end where like it all comes together and they realize they're in love because i'm sure that's the ending of of this episode well it absolutely i mean it absolutely is yeah so i mean like the premise of this pilot if anybody has never seen it or hasn't watched it in a while is this idea that they've been married for five months and they realize they really haven't made time for each other um recently and that like she she's the one that brings up the idea that they haven't had sex in five days and what does that mean and like you know blah blah um what does i say about them which i guess is like them thinking they're being progressive by flipping the flipping the script or something like that um and they decide they're going to like have this one night together like kind of like a date night i guess date night and then they realize oh they had already made plans um with some other couple um for the night that they had picked and this is all while they're preparing to go to work and he's trying to rush her out the door all this conversation is going on i mean it is rapid fire it is much different i will give it credit for being much different than sitcoms of that era um of just being fast and quick like you don't see that much around then but all of this is happening all this conversation about plans and what's going on with their relationship while they're just getting ready for work and it's probably like what like a six minute sequence i would say maybe of like um i would call it interminable (laughs) (laughs) so anyway they they realize they have plans and then the idea is like uh, uh he says you need to call call him because you're better at that thing and you and she's you're closer to her you know so you should call and cancel on them um did you make it as far to see the night of 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That's how I know about the friend. That's like the constant excuse. Right, right, right. That's right. And it's and like the, the sister that shows up that right is an absolute mess and can't maintain a relationship. And yeah, so she's a hot mess, and um, he's pissed off that her sister is there ruining their date night. And then so he call as revenge. He calls his friend and has his friend come over because she doesn't. She was like, I can get rid of my sister. And he can't accept that as an answer, so he calls his friend. The friend comes over, and then as they're like, like as their tensions are like you know increasing, um, and they're getting ready to get into an argument, like then the friends that they originally had plans with show up, um, which Richard Kind I think is brilliant in his own way, but um, who they who they don't like, right. Right. Neither of them like, except that Helen Hunt insists that they're their best friends. Right. Which also throws into stark contrast, like, how terrible these people are as human beings. Which is, you know what, and here's the thing, like, this is the difference between this sitcom, and this sitcom ran for, what, like, eight years or something like that, I uh, think? Six years originally, and then another in the revival. Yeah. Or no, seven. Seven originally. And then eight in the revival. The characters in Seinfeld were terrible people. Sure. And they were meant to be terrible people, but they were parodies of real people. Yes. Or real situations that were so exaggerated. Yeah, turned up to and 11 or something, right? You yeah. were never supposed to, like, necessarily root for them as human beings. And you always got some satisfaction out of them getting their comeuppance. Riser and Hunt are not caricatures. They're. And they are in a way, but they're more like true to life, and they're meant to be the heroes of this story, and they're awful. They're before sunrise. Like, I mean, like, look at the opening montage of that song with the images. Yeah. Like, like it's this, like, modern-day city love story is, like, what that's supposed to be portraying, right? That, like, her head's, like, resting on his shoulder, like, over, like, reading the paper with him and looking at something, you know, like, the whole thing of, like, uh, her leaning back between his, like, you know, man-spreading, like, you know, legs, like, on the steps of whatever the fuck, like, it, it's it's supposed to be of that era, like, you know, romantic. Um, they're sure. all, they're both wearing jeans and t-shirts, like, you know, um, it's, so yeah, it's supposed to be, like, this romantic story, and then it's like, what happens once you've been married for a little bit? Um, five how do five you, months, exactly. Right, and, like, how do you keep that going through the years, is the premise, like, but, so, where did you stop? Do you remember exactly where you were just like, I can't do this anymore? Um, Paul Reiser has come in and said that his friend forgot the ice for the evening okay. uh -huh. and the, yeah. in the cab, and they have to go down to the liquor store to get some ice, and she's like, um, you and your friend's lame lullo alibi, whatever, something, something. Right. And that's when I was like, fuck this shit, and I turned it off. Okay. I don't now, know what it was about that scene, but it was just enough. All right. Let me I I now I, I'm glad this actually happened. So I what do you think? How do you think the rest I, I you already said like, you know, they figure out they still really love each other, but what do you think happens in the rest of that episode? The couple they hate that they brought over gets in some kind of fight. Um 
the best friend ends up going home with the sister and they're left alone and they're like at least we're not as crazy as those four and then that's it all right so i'm going i'm going to tell you what happens now okay uh so everybody ends up piling into the kitchen right okay including like the couple they don't like and everybody's in the kitchen and their tensions are increasing even more as all these people are in the kitchen and they want to have like a argument and Paul Reiser like makes like some sort of like comment and the sister and friend understand the comment that they need to get the fuck out of the kitchen. The couple that they don't like does not understand it, which leads to the joke of him um taking like the, the the oven what are those called like the the iron things in the oven like the oven like fryers like um and what are they called i don't know i'm trying to think what an oven fryer like is. Like, like the thing on a stovetop <laughs> like the things that sit in over the over the burner oh the burner plate burner plates okay he ho- picks up like the iron like burner plates and like hands them to like the male like richard kind and it was like, I need you to take those out into the living room. And then the wife still doesn't get it because she's dumber than he is. And then finally, he's like, she like senses something is wrong. And he's like, hey, picks up the other two and is like, hey, I need you to go help him and like take these out to him. Um, so then they leave and they get into an argument. And but they realize like the tensions are the fact that it's like they haven't fucked. Right. So. She dares him to fuck her on the island, and he gets all anxious. And is anxious. Like, what, if, what if they hear? And then there's like some comedy scenes about that, and then he fucks her in the kitchen while the others are sitting out there, like waiting. Well, that's bold. And then, um, and the sister and the friend get what's going on. Um, and and the dumb couple that they hate doesn't really and think something could be wrong, and then they all have dinner, which they skip past completely because like the basically rest of that episode is about them getting to the point where he bangs her in the kitchen huh. while the guests are out in the other room through that thin fucking door, and then um. And then basically it cuts in the last like minute is like them like, you know, like, oh, we're going to go like back into, you know, the bedroom and basically like we're going to fuck again because that heals like everything, apparently. Uh-huh. And um, his friend is like, hey, you want to go do something? And he's like, nah, I can't do it tonight. And he rejects his friend and, like, you know, like close the door on him. And that's the end of the episode. And then there's some coda where it's like she's like they're all like lovey-dovey in bed and she's like suddenly out of nowhere is like are we going to your parents or my parents like you know for thanksgiving and he makes some kind of joke about how she's neurotic and 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 kisses her on the head or some shit like i think my ending is better (laughs) that i fabricated i I mean and i still hate it but i hate it your ending is more of a standard sitcom i think right um that that's more you know what that shows your that shows how much you like married with children I think is your your ending to that because that's exactly what happened is like the other ones would be so obnoxious right and then Peg and Al would be like you know oh my god like 
<laughs> at least we're not them. At least we're not Marcy and Steve, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he bangs her in the kitchen. That's the rest of the episode. I mean, that's bold. I'll give him I, that. Sure. 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 This is, what, 1992? Three? Two. Yep. It is. This is one year after she played Pam Smart banging a 15-year-old in the kitchen. <laughs> No, that was in right. that was in that was in her marital bed, and the back of her Trans Am that had the license plate Halen, because she's really into Van Halen. <laughs> uh, I do not get the. I do not. Um, I don't think Jamie Buchanan was big in the Van Halen. I bet. No, no, no. So yeah, yeah, that was um. That was some that was some experiment. I had more chagrin for the pilot of Mad About You in eleven minutes than I had for any other You couldn't finish it. I know. It's it's I it's think it's rough. the proudest I've ever I've proudest I've ever been. I had to go to work and I could have <laughs> like I mean I live like full disclosure, like five minutes from my job at most. It takes me no time to get there. And I'd already taken my shower. So I could have like delayed a few minutes and finished it, but I just didn't feel like it. I went out. I made some egg salad. You know, I you could have you could have you could have come home tonight and just finished it. And you didn't. No, I got to finish it in one sitting because it's a chagrin thing. Gotcha. So it technically is a chagrin failure, even though I succeeded two other times. <laughs> right. In far worse circumstances. Was it? <sighs> Only because of length. I mean, what's, that made what's that... the chagrin on the first eleven minutes of the Mad About You pilot? Eight. Eight mitigated down by every time I go. Oh, Helen Hunt's so pretty. <laughs> the first, the first time I texted you, I think I was like six minutes in the other day, whenever that was, yesterday or the day before. Like, um, like I'd already reached like a point where I couldn't like watch it without like picking up my phone and like getting something out. Um, it's bad. It's it's really it's it's really hard to watch. Here's the thing. Like I think I could watch the pilot to news radio or or you know whatever. Like um fuck what was the the other one I said? The one that's in the newsroom. Uh that is news radio. Is it? Yeah, news radio. Yeah. Then what's the other one? Anyway, there's plenty of pilots from the 90s that I could have watched. Uh-huh. Married with Children, been, you said, you mentioned. Yeah, still been fine with it, I think. Or right. still at least seen some appeal. Or been able to say, like, okay, this isn't my cup of tea, but I get it because of the time period. Herman's Head, for instance. Sure. Parker Lewis can't lose. That's the other thing I always accuse Heaster of being a huge fan. <laughs> that's a good one. That's, that's a good part. Um. That's just like I always tell him he gets his opinions from Kotaku. Um, <laughs> Martin, could you have watched the pilot of Martin? You think? Yeah, man, I think Martin's okay. funny. Okay. I told you when I was when I was working at that place down in um, Annapolis, I used to watch Martin every night. Right. I I think I would even find something like Herman's Head funny, or at least find some things. Sure. Was the um the John Lovitz sitcom? Uh, Oh, that was the animated. The critic. Yeah, the critic. Oh, the critic's hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, there's plenty of stuff from that time period that I would still find funny, but it's just not this. Yeah. 
I don't know that I don't know how anyone found this funny like in its inception. And I think these are people that were just <laughs> yearning for 30 something. Yeah. Like the heyday of 30 something and they were just looking for some other Okay, so here's the reason this category happened. All right? Cuz you wanted to torture me? No, nah, not not necessarily. Um because we were talking about in the fact, water dance fact, one night. No, in fact, very few things have like when I when I come up with stuff for this has very little to do with you. I I keep a running list. Fair. Sometimes they do. Um, I keep a running list. Like late last year, when I thought we might do this again for one more year, I kept a running list of things that crossed my mind that I thought was funny. As we've established, I drink at night. And I had an episode of Seinfeld on. And at the end of the episode of Seinfeld, it's when George um, proposes to Susan out of nowhere. And like that whole season is like him being trapped in this relationship that he like regrets immediately that he got into. And there's a coda to an episode where like George wants to watch the baseball game. And it's like, you know, the bottom of the ninth and like, you know, the Yankees are down by two and have three on base and like, and like, he's all excited. And she's like, George, it's time to come to bed. And he's all like deflated and has to go to bed. And like, she's like, I recorded a man about you. And the coda is them sitting there in the dark with the glow of the television. And that song playing. And George looks like he wants to fucking kill himself, (laughs) but is also confused at the television. And she's sitting there curled up next to him with her, like, hands around his arm. And she's all smiling, like, looking at the TV. And it plays out, like, the, like, whole, like, theme song. Just focusing on them watching television. And um, I was like, oh, my God. And then I thought, like, connection. Frank used to love Helen Hunt. Um, and then, yeah, so tell me why I love you like I do is what came into my head, um, as the category name. That's it. Well, you win, I guess. I don't know. It's, most things are not purposeful to like, I told you I was, I I learned my lessons from last year. Um, I don't, I can't say that of everybody. This is me at my most generous. (laughs) <laughs> yes that's true um i don't have any like torture porn or anything like that like that's best that's bad yeah um well i have a, i have a, i've developed started developing a list potentially for i don't know if we're going to do the skin as it is on another like a whole nother year but i i do have a list developed of things that could go on a wheel <laughs> Um, in some manner. Um, even how do we year. how do we not do this again, dude? They are going to be the most meta, esoteric, like at least my categories, um, that you'll ever hear. It's things you won't even remember. I have notes next to why these categories exist. One of my employees today had high praise for our um. Uh, uh shit. Which one was it? One of those and. Andy Sidaris movies, um, Malibu Express, I think maybe. Oh, okay. Um, Hard yeah. Ticket to Hawaii. Mm, I think it was Malibu Express. Oh, it was Malibu. Okay. 
maybe it was hard ticket to Hawaii. It's no, no, it's definitely Malibu Express. It was the first one. Um, okay. No, he he was saying like how good our like um patter is and how well like we like describe things. And I was right. like, because he didn't tell me what it was at first. He was like, I listened to one of your episodes and blah blah blah. And I was like, he was descri- he was talking about, it and I was like, well, what episode was it? And he told me, and I was like, oh my god. I said, that's where you started? And he's like, I don't know. It just seemed like a good place to start. And I was like, well. Um, the thing that is the most over um, this year in terms of the spin chagrin itself uh, was American nin- is American Ninja um, whatever, 3, Blood Hunt. Mm. Um, Who's that over in terms of? Audience. Downloads. Con <laughs> engagement. Um, is that true? Yes, it is. Well, it's um, no farm. Those, those are our horror episodes. Um, they're doing really well. Um, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, American Ninja. Um, all right, let's spin this wheel real quick. Do I it. probably should have done that before we um start talking about. I need to tell somebody about you. Need to get Vader in here. Vader? Is is that a Boy Meets World reference? I don't even understand what's happening. That's my email. Uh, Oh, look at that. Ninja's Attack is the category for next week. And it's just Ninja's Attack. It's the very first one. Is there an exclamation point at the end? There is in my yes. heart. I can't. I can't see it because I didn't clear the message. Didn't do that thing. Well, yes, there was a there was an exclamation point. Nice, nice. Like I said, in my in my soul, it's yeah. Oh. What do you got? Do you just have you got? Okay, we still have four, two, four, eight, and nine left still. So, so many. Hey, you wanted to do a whole fucking year on ninjas. I did. Man, you see? Two guys, too many ninjas. <laughs> yeah, I like I, like I don't want them dual sometimes. Alright, um, so ninjas attack, so that means you get to watch whatever the fuck you want in terms of ninjas movies. There's no... There's, there's nothing boxing you in. You're free uh, to just dangle out there. Like, Am I free to do what I want any old time? Yes. I'm yes. free... I can't remember any lyrics. <laughs> um, so yeah, any ninja. I mean, I know you got them saved. So, any ninja movie you want. I do have a lot of ninja movies saved. A lot of yeah. ninja movies. That'll be episode uh, 75 for Ninja's Attack. <clears throat> All right. Nice. You have any other thoughts this week, Frank? Uh, I did, but you made me forget when you spun the wheel. Hmm. So I really can't remember anything you you watch that you need to talk about. Mm, I don't remember what I watched. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Zelda, so that's kind of taken up a lot of my time. Sure. Yeah. What's your over overall score on that so far? It's a ten. 
Yeah. Okay. It's one of the. Twenty best games I've ever played. I'll be bold and say that. Maybe higher by the time I finish it. Okay. It is Skyrim level of engaging. Oh, okay. Nice. And one of our friends has not enjoyed his time playing it. Actually, mm-hmm. two of our friends, but I've only mm-hmm. spoken to one about it. Yeah. And I think it's because it is so big that there's no scale to your idea of when you'll be able to finish it. Right. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I like, feel that way about a lot of games anymore. Yeah. I, I feel sometimes like it's too much. Yeah. I bought a game that I really want to play with the idea that I would just beat Breath of the Wild and then I could play this game. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea when I'm going to be able to play this game. And I have another game coming out next week that I really want to play. And I feel the same way. I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. What are those games? Well, Final Fantasy 16 comes out next week. Oh, okay. And yeah. the demo for that game is fucking masterful. Like, I feel like it's going to be one of my favorite games of the year. Mm. Um, And Diablo uh, 4 came out a couple weeks ago and I bought it. And I played it for like a couple of days and I was really digging it and I couldn't help myself. Like I had to go back to Tears of the Kingdom, the Zelda game. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's just really good. It's immersive nice. and it's fun and it's very much Elden Ring-esque in terms of how it reveals story to you. Like it doesn't force mm-hmm. you into the story. There's so many things to do that aren't even like in the main storyline that just kind of like come up and you'll see them and you'll be like, Oh shit. Like what's that thing over there? And then you'll go explore. And, and it's crazy. Cause there's seriously like, I don't know, say a dozen enemy types in the whole game or something like that. Not counting bosses. Um, and it's still like, it completely sucks you in and really like, I don't know. It's just, it's, um, it's pretty amazing. It's a really good game. Nice. And yeah, I would not recommend it to everybody because I think that you really have to have a certain level of, I don't know, patience, maybe, but I don't want to sound like exclusionary, but I really don't think it's for everybody. It's like, I think I look, look, you know, my playing, right? I love open world games. Would I be annoyed by this? Yes. Yeah. Because to me, it's open world in the sense of Elden Ring open world more than mm-hmm. it is in the sense of um, like Skyrim or Oblivion open world, you know, and I really Assassin's Creed open world or something like yeah, yeah I really feel like because there's oh, oof, getting worn out on this talking. Um, <laughs> there's an element of wonder to it and they they teach you how to do things but like so there's a camera mechanic in the game and there's like quests where you have to take pictures of stuff and i could never figure out how to do it and i just randomly stumbled upon this person who sent me on this quest and unlocked the camera mm-hmm. it's like 55 hours into the game but if i just would have talked to a person like an hour and a half into the game i would have had it from the beginning and I wasn't even angry that, oh, why didn't the game tell me about this? Because 
I could have talked to that person at any point, you know? So. Right. 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 Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'll probably never play them. I mean. No. I mean, I really. The Switch is hers. So. I I really don't. I really don't think you would dig it so much. I don't know. Maybe you would. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, imagine that Phoenix Immortals Rising game. Mm-hmm. But non-repetitive and good. Okay. Like I mean, where that's, that's why I got tired of that is because it was so repetitive. Like, like where the moments that you enjoyed that game were just stretched out to the entirety of the game. Right. Like there's a there's a machine building system in this game that's so fucking complex that like people are building like tanks and Tyrannosaurus Rexes and. Mm-hmm like crazy things just by using the physics and engineering that's available right in this like like small segment of this this i don't know it's just it's yeah you can solve puzzles in a multitude of ways like i don't know i was doing something one time and frankie was watching me and he just kept laughing and i finished this puzzle and he was like could you not have just done this? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I could have. <laughs> and I went complete, like, I did this ludicrous thing with, like, assembling pieces together and building, like, this contraption. Mm-hmm. And it worked, like, perfectly to get me to the end. And I realized I could have done, like, three simple steps and I would have done the same thing. <laughs> right. But I just didn't see it. But it still worked, you know? It wouldn't, like, force me to do things one way like old Nintendo games would, Sure, you know? sure. Do you think and, like that kind of openness can also make people uncomfortable? I think oh, it, might, yeah. it might me. Like a hundred percent. Like the idea that there's a solution to something, I think. And like one solution that I need to figure out. Like the idea that there's like multiple ways to do it sometimes is um perturbing to me. Makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean I can see that. Hmm. All right. Well I'm glad you like it. I can't find anything to play like that I haven't played like at least like one or two times already so do yourself a favor go download the demo download the demo jesus christ i'm like drunk dem 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 demo the download (laughs) download demo loaded though loady loady load sound like go download the demo for final fantasy 16 and see what you think what i don't even know what? I don't, even, I don't i'm telling you because it's not what? it's not what you think it is man it's not <laughs> like it's not a turn-based rpg it's it's a new kind of final fantasy <clears throat> it is and i think you might actually like it. okay i'll do it then i will you might enjoy the weekend for a change you know billy joel <laughs> oh all right you know that i i, I hate that song so fucking much uh, you're, you're not a big fan of billy joel in general that song in particular you may be right. I may be crazy. <gasps> All right, hold on. Um, what are you doing? Nothing. <clears throat> Nothing at all. Um. All right. See? So next week is Ninja's Attack. Um, and Frank will be back with um with a review of um some random ninja movie that he chooses. So thanks for listening, everybody. Deuces.